Welcome to the Judge John Hodgman podcast. I'm bailiff Jesse Thorne. This week, the French correction. Two Quebecers quarrel. Allison and her husband Anthony live in Montreal. Allison says since her French language skills aren't perfect, she should speak English, the language she knows best, to make herself understood. Anthony says it's best to always use French first, even if they don't speak it perfectly. Who's right? Who's wrong? Only one man can decide. Please rise as Judge John Hodgman enters the courtroom. You know what? I'm going to save that for the end. That's the end. (laughs) Please, please rise and raise your right hands. Do you swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help you God or whatever? We do. I do also. Do you swear to abide by Judge John Hodgman's ruling, despite the fact that he has no need for English or French, as he primarily speaks Esperanto, the international language? Yes. Yes. Very well, Judge Hodgman. Saluton, Allison and Anthony. You may be seated. Saluton is the only word in Esperanto I know, you guys. <laughs> I was wondering if I that was an friend. attempt at French. No. I have a friend who learned Esperanto so that he could travel with other Esperanto speakers. Like, if you travel abroad, there's uh, networks of Esperanto speakers who will let you stay in their homes if you will speak Esperanto with them. I think the technical term for an Esperanto speaker in Esperanto is Esperantophono or Esperantophonico with a, with a K instead of a C, phonico. I don't know. That's a dying language. But do you know what language lives today? Le Francais, en Quebec, and Anthony and Allison, for immediate summary judgment in your favor. I am not going to ask you to name the song that I began to play as I entered the courtroom, because you know the name of that song, don't you, Allison? You bet I actually don't. (sighs) I know. Quel quel dommage. Mm. Mm. Anthony? Yeah, I'm embarrassed. I've definitely, I should know it. I don't know it. I knew it. Well, maybe. Maybe it's because Come on, maybe it's too. because I played one of the chords wrong that you don't recognize it. No, I recognize it. <laughs> as La Vie en Rose. Yeah. The very the signature song of Edith Piaf. Edith Piaf. Piaf. What's going wrong with my brain today? Uh and so I expected you both to get it. Um so we I guess we can move on to the case without my asking the follow-up question that would Once you had both guessed the song, I would have asked a a, a harder question that you might be able to figure out. Are you are you game for that? We're down. Are you yes? Are you are you je are you je for that? (laughs) We're ready. Uh, yes, that's right. It is La Vie en Rose, both of you. But can you name for an immediate summary judgment in one of yours favors? Can you name? The person who was 
in the cast, a leading member of the cast of the movie Conan the Destroyer, who had an international hit single with this person's cover of La Vie en Rose, with his or her cover of La Vie en Rose. What member of the cast of Conan the Destroyer had an international hit single with her or his cover of La Vie en Rose? What ages are you, by the way? 33. Anthony? 36. <laughs> what is, how is it in French? 33. Did uh, Conan the Destroyer make it up to your home? If you are I have 33, never seen it. No, never. No, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't think so because it is, it is, uh, it is uh, uh, 2014 as we record this. Yeah, you you would have been quite young when it came out. That's my excuse. So I don't know. But you can make an educated guess. Anthony? <laughs> I'm drawing blanks. Let me remind you, it's Conan the Destroyer. I Not think we Conan failed. the Barbarian. Yeah. The second film in the franchise. What, hap- what needs to happen now is one of you has to go, I guess Arnold Schwarzenegger? Oh, um, yeah, I think it might be Arnold Schwarzenegger. Wrong! You're ah, wrong! Ah, fail! It was Grace Jones, you guys. Darn, oh, I was going to guess Wilt astray. Chamberlain. <laughs> Jesse, were you going to guess <laughs> Wilt Chamberlain? Yeah, sure, Wilt the Stilt. He was in that movie as well. But no, you were not going to guess Wilt Chamberlain. But you knew what it was, Jesse, and how old are you? I did not know what it was until I looked up the cast of Conan oh, you the were Destroyer. Oh, you were Googling in the background? Yeah. You monster. <laughs> you monster bailiff. Bailiff, by the way, is one of many, many legal terms that we take from uh, Old French, or specifically the archaic collection of Old French uh, and Anglo-Norman terms uh, that, that constitute law French, as well as attorney, bailiff, jury, uh, from Anglo-Norman jure, meaning oath or legal inquiry, mortgage, plaintiff, and John Hodgman, also is an Anglo-Norman term for seat of all wisdom. Now, <laughs> one of you is the plaintiff. Who brings this case before this court? Well, I guess in theory I do. Say, then you go, say moi! Say moi! From now on, that is how the plaintiff shall identify him or herself in the court of Judge Hodgman. <laughs> in all future episodes. Say moi, j'accuse. That's what you have to say. <laughs> now do it. Do what I tell you to do, because this is a podcast. C'est moi, j'accuse. Very nice. Thank you. And what are you accusing your, is it your husband, Anthony? He, he oh, is my husband, husband. yes. Yeah. Right. My lovely You guys husband. live in Montreal. All right, that's enough. You guys live in Montreal. <laughs> I, can go, I can go on if you'd like. There is no, there is no affection in the law. Okay, uh, okay. You, uh, you guys live in Montreal, and yes. uh, you accuse your husband of annoying you somehow. Please well, tell me how. Yeah. So here's the issue. Um, it's not uncommon for us to feel hostility from employees at stores and restaurants that we go to because we are Anglophones living in a prominently French city. Um, my husband thinks that if we just proactively spoke French in these interactions... Excuse me. Excuse me. Excuse oh, me. Oh, yes? A, prominent, a prominently French-speaking or French-Canadian city, I think is what you meant to say. Thank you for the correction. 
Francophonic. Well, I just don't want to insult the French Canadian independence movement. I wouldn't want that either. All right. All right. Very on. Okay. Go okay. on. Carry so you, on. You, you live in you live in Montreal, which Montreal. is a yes. prominently French-speaking city. Fifty-nine percent of the population speaks French, but you it does it. have an, an an old, historically old and significant Anglophonic or English-speaking community comprising, I think I'm using that term correctly, that makes up about 19% of the other speakers. Mm-hmm. And the rest of the people in Montreal never speak. <laughs> well, well, perhaps. Uh, uh, I think that's what it is. <laughs> Something and like you that. Are of, you are of the English-speaking community, and your beef is not with, your boof is not with <laughs> your husband so much as the snooty, shopkeepers and uh and and service people of montreal who hate you because you speak english is that not so i i I certainly have a booth with that um but also my husband seems to think that if i were just to speak french if i would sort of lead with my french foot then we would have fewer of these negative interactions but i think i should be i should have the right to not only speak in but to be served in english at least in montreal without feeling like i'm constantly bullied by those who are in the majority in order to assimilate and how do you respond to this accusation anthony i'd say that well to be honest maybe she does have the right i think officially it quebec is a french province and so um, I don't know if there's any like kind of legal grounds, but no, no. Um, officially, officially, Quebec is a French-speaking province. Correct. Sorry, yes. it is not. It is not a province of of France. <laughs> You're right. And it and it and it is it it is frust it is to its own resentment a province of Canada among many. Yes, yes. exactly. It barely, it it barely wants to be a province of Canada. Yes, that, well, about half the population would agree with you. Struggles against right. Canada, yeah. Yeah, it, it's it's barely hanging in there. <laughs> exactly. That's why I'd say would... that, sorry. No, no, please. I'd say she has the right, possibly, but I'd say that's kind of irrelevant. Um, the fact of the matter is, um, right or no right, it's just lowering our quality of life, the fact that we're having these constant, uncomfortable encounters um, kind of all the time and right or no right is just not an enjoyable way to live or certainly not it, to kind of integrate. Is it the case, is it the case that because, because Allison is so he- hesitant to speak French that you are, uh, you are, uh, restricted to eating only in the terrible <laughs> English restaurants of Montreal instead of the wonderful French style restaurants? I don't think that's as crazy as it sounds. We're both very introverted. Um, yeah. And sometimes we would, I think, honestly, not ha- be up to the fight of, uh, you know, of dealing with this sort of thing. Right. And so oftentimes we would do that just to avoid kind of the confrontation. Right. Every, every time it's just, well, tonight it's either we go to Tim Hortons <laughs> or Arthur Treacher's Fish and Chips, right? Something like English, that. English only. Or we order in. Uh, obviously... <laughs> Obviously, my my belief that uh, 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 Montreal is home to is the last vestige of the popularity of the Arthur Treacher's Fish and Chips chain belies my ignorance or speaks or reveals rather my ignorance of what's going on in Montreal today. I have not been in that city in 14 
years. And so I have called in an expert witness who will be able to help. Do we have the expert witness on the line? Bonjour. Bonjour, Jonathan Goldstein of Montreal, host of CBC's Wiretap radio show, which also broadcasts in the United States in certain markets. Does it not, Jonathan? Uh, uh, oui. Oui, oui. Oui, oui. And, and en anglais or en français? Uh, only, only, in, uh, only in English. Seulement en anglais. And, um, and, uh, and uh, uh, also you might know Jonathan from his very uh, many books and appearances on This American Life. Jonathan, what's the name of your latest book? Uh, it's called I'll Seize the Day Tomorrow. I'll Seize the Day Tomorrow and my personal favorite, ladies and gentlemen, the Bible. Yes. That's the full title of the book. How are you, Jonathan? I'm, I'm, uh, I'm doing very well, thank you. Thanks for having me here. And I have not seen you in quite some time, and I'm sorry of it. It is nice to hear your voice, and, and the, uh, 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 on your radio show, Wiretap, you have conversations with people via telephone or imitation telephone and turn that on into a radio show. Uh, no, on the, on the actual telephone, like, like cavemen. Um, oh, oh, exclusively on the, te- on the telephone. Yeah, which I, I feel like no, and and uh, nobody has landlines anymore. So the sound quality of the show is starting to um, to get really bad. So, have you uh, have you ever tried uh, doing it via Skype? Because I'm let sta- me tell you, that is very frustrating. You might want to give it a try. I, I'm starting to tr- I'm starting to use it because you're starting to hear Skype more on the radio. People are recognizing uh, the sound of it as a thing. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Well, What's what are those garbled words I don't understand? Oh, that's right. It must be Skype. Yeah, yeah. Um, I knew the answer to those first two questions you asked. By the way, it was very frustrating to keep my mouth shut. I'm sorry. I should have called you in then. I didn't use Google.ca either, like like some people. <laughs> so you live in Montreal. Is that not? Uh, is that correct? Yes that that is where I am right now. And uh, are you? I, are you from Montreal? Are you de Montreal? Um, I, I was born in New York, but we, we moved here when I was about four. My, my, my father's from New York and my mother's Canadian. And is she, is she Quebecois? Is she French-Canadian? No, she's, she's Jewish, um, garden variety, English Jew. But, and uh, and Montreal, Montreal. Is a very, Montreal is a very large Jewish population, which is the, 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 the reason for the extremely... Strange Montreal bagel. Uh, yes, the, the the it's like a it's a water based kind of. Um, I'm not I'm not much of a a culinary guy. I think we boil our bagels. No, or no, something. that's we we do that here in the United States as well. Or uh, and by the United States, I mean New York City. The, yeah, the bagel is boiled, but it's not actually that strange. The Montreal bagel is is famous, like like many things in Canada. It's very famous within Canada. Um, as a, as a bagel and has a large hole as opposed to a small hole. And then yeah. there's also, there's also a, a completely separate, um, uh, uh, sort of pastrami culture in Montreal, uh, where, uh, uh, Jewish immigrants, instead of, uh, serving pastrami, they, they began stores that sell smoked meat. That is right. And or there, smoke I, meat or, or yes. And, what do you say? Um, smoke meat or smoked meat? I say uh, smoke meat. And as a child, I had a cat named Smokey, which was short for smoked meat. <laughs> okay. Well, Allison and Anthony, it was nice talking to you. I'm just going to talk about 
smoked meat with Jonathan Goldstein for the it's rest been a pleasure. of the Thanks time. for having us. Oh, oh, Can oh, I say and poutine. Poutine, of course. Yes. You want me to Have explain you... that? Sure. Uh, poutine is a combination of um, French fries, gravy, and cheese curds. Um, but even in saying that, it, it feels as though it's, um, it's like I'm describing air, you know, by saying it's, oh, it's hydrogen and it's oxygen. I mean, it's like right. all these things come together to create a, a, a molecule, which is kind of um, sublime and, and its own. Uh, I think I'm losing the whole chemical analogy. I was going to say. Yeah, well, no, I mean, in the, in the, you're, you're correct in the, in the sense that there, there are uh, that in, in Quebec, uh, poutine is absorbed like air. It is breathed like air. Yes. It is ingested you know, like air into the body in and out several times a day. Yes. Um, do you know what poutine is? Yes. Why? Just, this is a family friendly. Okay. Podcast, you know. Okay. This isn't like one of your ribald CBC shows. Right. Okay. It's a process. All right. So, but you are a member of the Anglophonic community of Montreal. Yeah. And most of my life is pretty, I mean, you know, like I work at the CBC in a, in a little English enclave and um, most of my friends are English. So yeah, my life is pretty Anglo. And how does it feel? Do you, do you, do you sympathize with what Allison is going through? I, I sympathize. Yeah, I sympathize with both. Um, and and I, I, I guess I kind of um, I feel like uh, what 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 Anthony was saying just about making life easier. I guess that's that's kind of my modus operandi. That that wasn't French. That was that was Latin, by the way. Mm-hmm. Sure. <laughs> um, I, I and my I mean, my trick is. I speak, I always make an effort to talk French and my French is bizarrely poor. I'm not even sure why it's as bad as it is because I was in French immersion since kindergarten. Um, And I feel like I, I've over the years, I've kind of, I skew towards speaking worse to kind of, um, to, to, to um, encourage people to kind of rescue me. You know, like, I feel like if I make an effort to talk in French really poorly, 90% 90% of the time, in my experience, the French person I'm speaking with will make an effort to talk English. You're giving a secret message through your incompetence that you should not be encouraged to speak French anymore. Yes. And and, um, and the thing that's neat about it is, I mean, I feel like in the best of t- even in English, I'm, I'm uncomfortable and kind of mincing and mealy-mouthed. And, but at least with the French, I have an excuse. And um, and there's something kind of uh, freeing about it. I find like a, a different side of my personality comes out in French. Like I, I use a lot more sound effects to express myself and, and stuff like that. <laughs> OK. OK. So so uh, here, let's just do a little role play so we get a little sense. Uh, say I am. Um, well, how about this? Uh, Anthony, you love talking French. So here's your chance. He does love it. He loves it. You are a shop. You are a shopkeeper. And uh, your shop is uh, in the in the 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 French area of Montreal. Uh, And uh, well, what's the area of Montreal where they have a lot of little shops that sell radio sound effects? (laughs) Anthony, what uh, area of Montreal would that be? I don't know. St. Catherine Street. Yeah, 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 that's what I thought. I was was trying to remember that. All right. So (laughs) you you run a little a little radio sound effects shop in St. Catherine Street. And here comes Jonathan Goldstein. And he's got to buy, Jonathan, you've got to buy some sound effects for radio 
that you can't get, you just can't get in any of the English shops. Maybe it's the sound of, 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 of poutine being made <laughs> or, 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 well, je, je, je ne sais pas. So you, you, you think of it and now you come in and, and first of all, Anthony, you have to greet Jonathan and Jonathan, you have to make your request for sound effects that illustrate how you use sound effects to, and, and poor French to indicate that you want to speak in English. And this is, and are we ready? Go. Un, deux, trois. Come on. Uh, okay. Bonjour. Oh, hello, monsieur. Um, je voulais savoir um, si vous avez des, uh, des effets sonores. Um, on, a, on a plusieurs. Est-ce que tu peux être un peu plus uh, précise? Bon, um, je voulais uh, le, le son d'un chat qui tombe, uh, like, a, you know, um, this would be the point when maybe I would try, like, segueing. I throw in a couple English words. Uh, don't, avez... break, don't break the fourth wall. Just do it. Sorry. Um, vous, vous avez um, comme uh, le, le son uh, of like a cat uh, qui like uh, uh, is falling from a, uh, comme un chat qui tombe okay. uh, from like a fence. Miaou! Miaou! Oui, oui, des mioles. Des miaou comme ça, oui. Miaou! Bien sûr, c'est la chose qu'on vend le plus. Bien ici, je vais essayer de le trouver pour toi. Uh, okay, et, et, et vous avez aussi comme des uh, des, des, des grandes uh, explosions, des explosions. Uh, comme ben, je ça. sais pas, mais on peut en fabriquer peut-être. Okay. Jonathan, ask him if he has the sound of gunshots. Um, <laughs> Est-ce que, est que vous avez des, uh, des, um, des, des uh, sound, uh, gunshots? Comme ça? Bien sûr. De, uh, de gunshot, comme uh, uh, pan, uh, pan. Uh, bullets, comme comme les de... comme les comme les comic book de Tintin, pam 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 pam. Ce n'est pas bang bang, pam pam. <laughs> uh, oui, comme ça. <laughs> By the way, I love I love I love sound effects in French comic books, you guys, because <laughs> they're so weird. Yeah. Miaou. And and then <laughs> and then pan pan instead of bang bang. I'm gonna I'm gonna end scene by the way. Okay. But you were you were convincingly awkward, John. What what is the French sound effect for flop sweat escaping one's hairline? Pam pam Yeah, that's it. Wooah. Wooah. That's the sound of snowy barking in Tintin comics. That's Belgian. So listen, you brought up an interesting point there, Jonathan, that I want to go back to Allison with. In your initial brief, you had said to me that you and Anthony, uh, by the way, are you guys married? You, you're married, right? We're yes. married, yeah. And how long have you been uh, married? Nearly two years. And congratulations. And, Thank and you. How, and how, and, and how, you are lifelong residents of Montreal? Yeah, we were both born in Montreal and have been here and ever since. And you, uh, uh, you mentioned in your brief that as a lifelong resident, you, like Jonathan Goldstein, 
uh, went through immersion. What does that mean? Okay, yeah, we, we both of us actually uh, went to French immersion schools, which means both in elementary school and in high school, the first few years of each are done pretty much pretty much exclusively in French. So all of your subjects will be taught to you in French. So for kindergarten through grade three, I believe, in elementary school, uh, you're pretty much only learning in French. And then the same and, in high school, grade seven and eight, you're immersed in French for the first two years. And the, and 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 this is how this is how Canada ensures that you won't be able to compete in a global economy, or at least not a global economy that is not the eighteenth of the nineteenth century. Uh, and that's how they get you to stay in Canada. I suppose so. It's worked. So, for, it's, it's worked on us. We haven't left. But it's not mandatory. For example, you know. Uh, and I'm, I'm, I know that I just made a lot of uh, uh, French Canadians, French speaking Canadians, very mad because uh, because the, the speaking of French is a, is not merely a cultural act in Canada; is it is a, a a highly charged political act? Is it not, Anthony? Absolutely, and um, it's let's just say the the, Fra- the francophones would speak English a lot less well than than we would speak French, and although our French is far far from perfect. The last time I was in Montreal was in the year uh, early 2000. Uh, no, excuse me, in the year 2002. Uh, and um, and I, uh, I had never been there before. And I knew that the city had a large English-speaking population and obviously a very large French-speaking population. But it never occurred to me that I was actually going to be expected to speak French at any time. I thought that it was just a funny novelty. That they would just have different street signs with different names to be charming, like Ep- like Epcot Center, but that everyone, but everyone there was going to speak English. But it's not true. There are there it, there are people there who speak French and only French, mm-hmm. either either because that's their culture or they want to make a point. Exactly. And the question that the question that I had about immersion, just just to give some some background to the to the to the to our listeners who may not live in Canada, which is about five of them. Most of our listeners live in Canada. Uh, and go to the Canadian House of Pizza and Garbage to eat every night. But it's a thing. There is a reason that shopkeepers might be resentful or or might take a point of pride in only speaking French that is beyond simply the the baseline snobbishness of the Parisian, for example. Uh, Because in in Paris, they are are protective of their language, but not in the same way that they are in in Montreal and, and in Quebec. And I wonder, with regard to the immersion uh, program, Jonathan, uh, you also went to an immersion school. Is that correct? I did, yeah, from, from the age of uh, like five all the way through high school. Now, is that voluntary? So you spoke French exclusively through high school? I, it, when, when I was in school. Um, in school. I, yeah, and I mean, when I came to Montreal from New York, I had kind of a New York accent. And uh, the teachers, the, the, I don't know if um, Anthony and Allison had this experience. I'm a little older than you guys, but there's a style to French Canadian teaching, um, teaching French, where they're, they're, there's kind of an attempt to humiliate the students as a part of the education process. Like the, the, the teachers were kind of mean and they would make fun of my yeah. New York accent. I, um, I think there's something in that. I also happen to have. All our teachers were not from Quebec, but actually from France, because I think there was this idea that that French was better. And so 
in a lot of ways, our education has handicapped us in a lot of ways. It only made the problem worse because we don't have yeah. the Quebecois accent. Right. So you won't, so you won't, you don't, you don't speak in what, what is called joal. No, that's what I struggle the most with. I found when I when I do or when I do speak French, I end up with more of a sort of Parisian accent, just because that's the way that we were taught in school. And then when I do hear, you know, uh, a French speaking Quebecer, sometimes I have a hard time uh, sort of decoding what they're saying. What was the term that you used, Jonathan Goldstein? Um, the the term for the uh, that French Canadian style of talking is joual. It, it actually comes from the word cheval. Uh, when, cheval when, meaning horse. Yes, that's right. When you say cheval in joual, it'll sound like joual. Joual. Oh, I see. So, uh, all right. So you basically you change all the letters into other letters. <laughs> And, and make a different word. <laughs> that, I'm sure Esperanto has its version of that, right? Like a kind of more blue-collar, working-class version of Esperanto. I see. And so the Quebec accent is difficult for you. Though that seems very very silly, Anthony, for you to have been trained in, in, in Parisian French when you are supposedly trying to carry on the tradition of the French that is spoken in Quebec. It speaks something of the kind of Anglophone snobbery that the French resent. But the, the, the French in Montreal, you mean the, the yes, French sorry. Canadians in Montreal? Right. Canadians. No, that's okay. So, so, uh, so this immer- so even the immersion program, the the is the anglophonic community traditionally separate from the rest of Montreal? There's pockets. Jonathan, how would you characterize the anglophonic community of Montreal? Its perception well, and its perception by the French speakers. They're, they're, Are they a bunch of jerks? Are they a bunch of self-involved <laughs> jerks or what? The, you, you heard of the expression, that, um, or maybe not, the, the, uh, Quebec is referred plus to as... Plus ça tu- change, plus c'est la même chose. <laughs> oh, wow. That one? I know that expression. Uh, there's that. Uh, okay. And, 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 and then there's... Um, uh, uh, wait, is, is that from Rush? <laughs> yeah. Yes, it, it is. is. Okay. Yeah. Um, it, it, the two solitudes where it's like we're living side by side and yet we're really very ignorant of each other's worlds. Like I, li- I, I work in the, the, the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation, which is called uh, here in Quebec, uh, uh, La Maison de Radio-Canada. And um, there, there's a whole Quebec star system that exists here. In Like this building is kind of like French-Canadian Hollywood. And there are... Uh, TV stars who I see in the cafeteria that I, I've only realized were huge TV stars because when they bring the tour buses in, I see like their pictures getting taken and stuff like that. Um, but because I'm they compl- are because they are fr- because they are francophonic television stars. That's right, and they're huge, huge stars here. But as an Anglo, and I don't know about uh, Allison and Anthony, but I don't really know. I don't watch French TV or anything because my French is pretty poor. So I'm 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 pretty ignorant of that. Who's of, the of that biggest francophonic other... TV star, Anthony? No, Allison. Oh, the the biggest francophone TV star. I can't remember the last time I watched anything on TV in French. Anthony, do you know? I couldn't name a francophone TV star. Let alone it's Gerard Depardieu. Right, <laughs> correct. Who, who, I knew that. Gerard one. Depardieu is what? What did you say, Jesse? <laughs> yeah, I said Gerard Depardieu. Oh yeah. Um, Maybe so. Orphan Black, right? Isn't it Orphan Black? 
Uh, no, that's, that's Toronto, English. I think. That's, that's Toronto. Okay. Sorry. And, and Gerard Depardieu is from France. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I think I think I think that was understood um, among us, but maybe Sorry. not our listeners. No, no, that's okay. I was about to get a lot of emails anyway from 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 Canadians as angry as they can get. Uh, but uh, okay, so you guys are. It, it sounds like the two worlds are 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 like um, it's like a science fiction concept. It's two different populations, uh, two dimensions inhabiting the same space that have no contact with each other, except when occasionally someone wants to buy sound effects or a piece of clothing. It's well said. Yeah. It's kind of like a Venn diagram with like, like, you know, there's a little bit of crossover, but for the most part, we live in our own circles. And the French Canadians, Anthony, have a resentment towards the Anglos, would you say? Obviously, it's important for me to, you know, say it's not all, or even, I wouldn't even say most, but even a minority... Um, are going to be encountered almost every day, and yeah, th- I but think what there would you is a, say? Yeah, go ahead. What would you say is the perception of the anglophonic community? What's the cliche of the anglophonic community? That there are people who, you know, spent years of their lives learning proper French and yet refuse to speak it because they're monsters and they're terrible at speaking French, even though they learned it and they don't even know who our TV stars are. What a bunch of snobs, or what? I think I think that's it. Also, I sh- it should be mentioned that I think Jonathan and us we went to immersion, but there's a lot of anglophones in Montreal that that didn't even do that. So as bad as our French is, theirs is going to be much worse. So it's not compulsory. Immersion schooling is not compulsory. You have to learn some French, but not to the mm-hmm. degree that immersion is. Okay. So Allison, given that you were schooled exclusively in French, Parisian or Quebecois or no. For a number of years and you're growing up and you are surrounded by French speakers, 59% of your city are French speakers. And obviously throughout Canada, there is uh, uh, French and English signage. Uh, how come you're so terrible at talking French? I'm actually not that terrible. I should I should sort of qualify. Um, I can speak very decent French, but I would I would actually uh, say that my French is more functional than it is sort of expressive if I if I'm if I want to just go to the store and order something, then I can certainly do that in French and do it very fluently. But if I'm going to have a conversation with somebody, um, I struggle with uh, word retrieval sometimes on the spot when you're trying to think how am I, what's the word that I'm trying to come up with in order to express myself in the way that I want to express myself. And I guess my vocabulary is just so much more limited in French. Um, It's all up there in my brain. It's filed away. It's just sort of filed away in the back files. Um, so it's harder for me to do so in my second language than it is in my, in my first language. And I, and I do often speak in French. Um, I just would like to reserve the right to be able to speak in English um, in certain situations. Which situation specifically? Well, I guess, and also Anthony wants me to, when we're together, to always order or to always speak to people in French when we're in sort of a customer service sort of situation. Um, and I do do that sometimes. Um, I think it, it's more a matter of the attitude that I feel from the person that I'm encountering and I'm dealing with. If I feel like they're giving me some attitude uh, based intuitively solely on the fact that I'm an Anglophone, um, I'm less inclined to make the effort. But if it's a positive interaction, I think the person is lovely, then I will struggle my way through the entire interaction in French. 
Anthony, what's a situation that Allison has put you in where you have felt so embarrassed or disgusted that you felt the need <laughs> to discuss this on the podcast? I mean, what's a, a you know a, a specific soul of narrative type tale where you went in and you were like, oh my god. Yeah. Mon Dieu, why can't she just speak French? <laughs> I'm it's, sorry, I did that it's, to you. It's actually, that's exactly how it feels sometimes. <laughs> and and, and, that, and that's, it shouldn't be, but I mean, nevertheless, I'd say the grocery store would be one. We're going in line. They'll say, you mean, bon the, you mean the store do grocery? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Le quiserie. The supermarket. Yeah. I mean, I mean, mm-hmm. um, and uh, the woman will, you know, she'll do her bonjour. And then Allison will be like, Hi. Kind of basically, there's an implication that, no, we're doing this in English, or I'm ignoring the fact that you started it in French, and I already feel like, I feel like there's this fight happening, and I'm now a party of, of this, and that would be that would be a simple but specific example. He's an innocent well, bystander, does, actually. But how does, but how does the fight, how does the fight uh, manifest itself? Uh, do, does the, does the, uh, the service person yell at her? In French, does she or he refuse to uh, uh, sell the, the items to her? What what is the what is the end result? It'll be like it's so mortifying. It'll the, the 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 cashier will immediately cast their eyes down, like to avoid eye contact. There'll be a there'll be mm. a sigh. There'll be a you know there'll be no oh. words spoken really. Maybe the the grocery bags rather than handed will be kind of tossed onto the conveyor belt. Um, oh. Kind of a passive aggressive thing. Mm-hmm. Wait a minute. Canadians being passive aggressive, this doesn't ring true to me. Quebecois, not Canadians. Do you, you hear my silence? Do you hear my silence right now? <laughs> that, that's what that is. Do you have some active aggression that you would like to add to this uh, to this uh, conversation, Jonathan? No, I'm doing great. Okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Jonathan Goldstein, you're the best. So what would you like me to order uh, Allison to do uh, if I were to rule in your favor? Um, Also, I just one little uh, kind of point is that we're actually moving to a very rural area outside of Montreal. So this problem is going to be 10 times worse once that happens. Um, You know, the the English, there's almost no English over there. And and the nationalist sentiment is more... Fervous. Where are you? Where are you moving to exactly? It's called Rodden, Quebec. No, no one's going to hunt you down. Don't worry. <laughs> I just didn't think you'd know. Don't it. give her address. Where? Where? What? What? Why are you moving? Uh, we got a. We're basically going to try to go closer to nature. We've got a kind of a country place. We're going to try to make that our main residence. Retourner à la terre. Exactly. Oui. Oh, te- Lotter or Latter? Latter. Latter. Okay. Latter. Yeah. Back to the land. Yeah. So you're sur- so you're survivalists. I- I'm definitely. <laughs> oh man! <laughs> Don't get him going. It's a whole separate Allison issue. Is- no, I'm definitely going to get him going. Oh boy! Allison- here we go. Here we go. What? Are you okay? <laughs> <laughs> Are you being? Are you being are you being are you being kidnapped by your husband so that he can take you up to a bunker and become one of his many sir wives? Oh man. Actually, the purchase of the country house was my initiative. Um so it's I'm as excited about it as he well, is. Well, of course, 
of just course, you have reasons. to buy the country house because he doesn't have any credit cards or bank accounts in his name because <laughs> right. he's completely off the he grid. He lives off the land. Exactly. Yeah. He's been packing these survival packs since we bought the country house last year. And, and it seems What's like a- on a weekly basis, he's like, oh, by the way, there's another item that I have in my Amazon cart. Sorry. Oh, Buzz marketing. I'm sorry. I apologize. That's, a, that's okay. I, I do apologize for that. <laughs> then you right. warned me against no. it and I forgot. That's so right. I, he's constantly putting together these survival I would only packs. yell at him. Okay. Okay. Thank you. It's kind so of you. What, but what are, the, what, are the, what are the sort of things he's giving you in your survival pack? Well, I don't even have my own survival pack. He has his survival pack. I've offered. That's, oh, that's, 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 not, that's not from selfishness. Yeah. Oh, okay. What's well, in your survival pack? What's in your survival pack? Well, you know, the, the, the five C's. Cordage. Um, I forget what they are now. Um, cordage? <laughs> cordage is one of the things. You need rope. Ropes. Combustion. Oh, ropes. That's obviously very Combustion. important. Okay. Um, Keep going. Candles. You're need, so you need cordage. That's rope. You need combustion. That's someone who's not just passive aggressive. <laughs> Candles, candy bars, and oh, candy bars. Co- cockatiels. Cockatiels. Co- a cutting tool. Coconuts. A cutting tool. Cutting tool. Right. Knife is what we say Container. in English. Container to boil uh-huh. water. That's uh-huh. I, like, I like the uh-huh. judge's survival pack better than your survival <laughs> yeah, this pack. This is more fun probably than that. <laughs> totally better. Candy bars and cockatoos. I can't come. And what do you what are you concerned what what kind of what kind of uh, 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 disaster are you concerned is going to hit you in Montreal? The Francophonic Sea. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's one of them for sure. But uh, uh, it's it's obviously it's just a hobby. I'm you know we we have all we have we have uh, lots of wilderness there. We're we're on a lake, so there's fishing, and so I feel like it just goes with uh, the whole going camping and being self-sufficient in the woods. That's that's really. Oh yeah, no, I'm I'm glad you have some meals ready to eat and so forth. But I just, are you actually concerned about uh, about uh, uh, collapse, societal, economic, or um, environmental collapse? No, it's more about being able to go in the bush for a month and and live more than anything. Okay, and are you are you giving up Montreal forever? No, uh, we're gonna have to work here, so it's about. because our, you know, where our jobs were established there and everything, so it'd be about it's about an hour and fifteen minute commute, which we're willing to do. Jonathan Goldstein, outside of Montreal, what would be your estimate of the percentage of people who who speak speak English natively compared to to Montreal itself? The in in the rest of in the rest of the province of Quebec. Yes, that's yeah. right. I think it's like. Is in in Montreal, it's like almost it's a, it's a, it's what what did you say? It's about fifty five percent French. The the Wikipedia said the Wikipedia said fifty nine percent. I think I think the rest of Quebec, it might be something closer to like. Is it possible eighty five percent French, like something like that? Oui, c'est possible. Oui. <laughs> so what you're saying is that they're really. They're they're moving uh, out of the fire and into the the big the big campfire in the woods. Will your will your attitude when you move to uh, the big campfire, uh, Allison, change with regard to how many interactions you have in French? Um, I, I definitely make I think more of an effort when I'm in the country than when I am in the city. Um, yeah, I don't think I have a bad attitude. When I, when I, I'm very friendly, you know, when, when Anthony says that they say bonjour to me and I say hello, it's with a big smile and, uh, you know, 
I'm, I'm very comfortable with conversations where I'm speaking in English and somebody's responding to me in French. For me, my, my primary issue, like I said before, is the word retrieval, just coming up with the words in that moment uh, in a timely fashion. But I, I understand 90% of what people say to me in French on any, any given time. You, underst- you, under- you understand... You- you understand that when, when someone says bonjour to you and you put a big smile on your face and you say, hello, hello. That, that actually translates to the old Esperanto phrase, vafangul. <laughs> I don't know what that means. It's not nice. Oh, no. You wouldn't see that as an insult? I don't think so. I worked in the customer service industry um, for a little while in a... In a, in a yeah. Very French part of the city. What did you do, what did you, what did you do there? Sell no. survival knives? <laughs> actually, no. I, I was working at a sandwich shop, actually. and mm, a, sh- a shop du sandwich? Oui, c'est ça. And so I, the majority of my interactions were done um, in French there. I'm very capable of speaking French. I just feel like it's a matter of principle. Like I'm living in an area yeah. where... It's not exclusively French. It's very English. It's very French, sort of like, it's almost 50-50, really, as per Wikipedia, anyway. Um, no. No, it's not. Oh, you're right. It's, you're right. It's you more it was 19% six, or something. It's 60-20. It's <laughs> right. Right. I should have written yeah, that 20%. Down. It's 60% French, 20% English, 20% Esperanto, the international uh, language. Right. Exactly. Right. Okay. Um... I don't know. I just, I just feel like I don't, I don't like the, the being peer pressured or, or bullied into doing something just because I'm in the minority. I'm going to be, I'm going to maintain lots of friendliness. Um, and in some situations I will bend, but I, I I just feel like, you know, I've paid my dues. I've learned I'm bilingual. I have my bilingual certificate. Yes. My French has sort of dulled a little bit over the years, but if I were immersed in French again, I, would, I think I would, you know, pick it up again uh, and be fluent again. But this is the part where I'm confused, because it seems to me that you are effectively immersed in French. I mean, it's not as though it's not as though you have been living uh, in Omaha for seven right. years and now you've come back. Mm-hmm. There's there's you have ample opportunity every almost every well, 60 percent of your interactions uh, give you ample opportunity to st- to stay fluent. So I guess my question is, and I think you've, you've answered it. The answer for why you don't stay fluent is you don't feel like it and you don't feel like you should have to. Well, I I don't even think it's that. Um, I think because of the nature of our jobs and because of the nature of, you know, our family and our friends being English or we work at English jobs in uh, an English school board. And obviously my friends and family are Anglophones also, there, there aren't that many opportunities to practice uh, conversational French. Like I said, I, my French is very functional. I can go and I can very fluently. Yeah, but that's not, the sub- that's not the subject of the debate. The debate is that, is that Anthony feels that you're, uh, you're causing friction and insulting people by going into non-conversational, simple, you know, commercial interactions uh, by refusing to speak French when it would be, in his mind, more appropriate for you to speak French. Do I misspeak, Anthony? Is that more or less your case? That's my case, but it's more than that. It's I think we're going to become, become completely, uh, you know, isolated and alienated in the country 
Um, if we like go to the grocery store and, and the only interactions we have with basically everyone, there's nobody that's, there's very few Anglophones over there. And by the way, like the Francophones in Montreal, everyone speaks English. But if you go to a Francophone in, in the country, they, they might speak little to none. Jonathan Goldstein, is that an assertion that you that you verify as true as vrai? Uh, yeah, I, 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 that sounds about right. All right. So what do you, what do you, so you would like, it's not merely that you would like Allison to increase her usage of French in, in standard commercial transactions in Montreal. Do you want her to take a refresher course? Do you want her to promise to speak 20% more French? Tell me exactly what you want. If she took every opportunity that we get, which, you know, including from like, for example, neighbors, other than just being like bonjour and a wave, actually trying to like, you know, like, you know how's it going? What's new? And if we took every opportunity that we had to kind of speak French, make an overt effort, I think our French would actually improve and we'd get somewhere where we used to be back in high school. And Allison, you would like me to, if I rule in your favor, you would like me to tell Anthony, uh, knock it off, stop putting pressure on me to speak more French than I feel comfortable with. Uh, I am very comfortable speaking English and if that means in the country, I never speak to another human being and I become increasingly isolated and I only talk to my friends on the Internet. That's fine. <laughs> you got it. I guess what I want is to be able to make that choice myself rather than be ruled to do so by the two of you. Oh, personal freedom. Li liberté. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Ah, liberté. Come All right. Jonathan, do you have any further questions or thoughts that you'd like to add before I, uh, I go into chambre and make my, uh, my ruling? Right. I'm no judge or anything, but um, I, I mean, I get I get the feeling that um, for I, I don't get the feeling that Allison is an ideologue or anything. It sounds to me like it's it's not a politi politically charged thing as much as it is a matter of etiquette. Like, um, you know, like if you meet someone who's who's being nice, you're more inclined to not just speak French, but just to kind of meet them on their own terms. Like. I mean, if you look at it as an etiquette question, like if, you know, if you meet the queen, you curtsy, if, if you meet uh, Howie Mandel, you'll give him a fist bump. You, you, you just, you just say bonjour. Oh, no, no, you know? no, 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 no. You're not allowed to fist bump Howie Mandel. <laughs> it's true. He doesn't no, I mean, want I mean, to touch just, your hands. Yeah, because he, he's he, got that OCD he, thing. So, yeah. you know. He's a germaphobe. Right. So you just does want he to fist bump? But does he fist bump? Or I know that he doesn't shake hands, but is, he does is a fist, fist bumping. Bump. He yeah. does the fist bump. He does a little fist bump. Um, I, ought, and I ought to write. I ought to write a letter to Howie Mandel explaining how the fist bump is is twice as is twice as uh, 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 unhygienic as shaking hands. Is that true? And I'll just be totally. No, no. I'm just making it up. But oh. I just want to get in his head. Right. <laughs> yeah, that'll totally you isolate him. You understand, Howie Mandel, that knuckle germs are twice as likely to give you typhoid fever. That's how fist fights and began. palm germs. Yes, exactly. It, it wasn't it's, for the damage that the fist, you know, caused. Uh, it was it was all through germs. Yeah, exactly. People fought with poison knuckles well into the well into the 1950s because they knew that the that the germs that you would pick up between your knuckles were more likely to kill you than any other germ. The, Signed, the, a friend. <laughs> the uh, the knuckle sandwich contained botulism. <laughs> Precisely. Oh. Um, so, so I, I but yes. I took us on. I took, I derailed you there. I apologize. No, no, there was nothing more really. I was just going to say that, like you know, like when you're, um, like the 
in, in fact, actually, rather than even a bonjour, I find myself using hello, which is kind of like it feels almost like it's unisex somehow. You know, it's like it's <laughs> it's hello is like is is a French greeting. But at the same time, if you're greeting someone who's English, it sounds kind of close enough to hello to to, to come off as being playful. Like, hello. Hello. Yeah. Like with a little yeah. to your voice like that. Hello. Yeah. Je m'appelle John Hodgman. And now I am going to go into my chambre to faire du judging. Goodbye. Please rise as Judge John Hodgman exits the courtroom. Anthony, how are you feeling about your chances in the case? I think uh, I think I feel pretty good. Um, I, I don't know if anyone appreciates the irony of the survivalist hoping that we can integrate ourselves into society, but I feel pretty good. What's the what's the most expensive thing you've bought so far in this weird uh, Amazon.ca obsession of yours? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and YouTube obsession. Um, actually, the whole point is I'm trying to do it on the cheap. But uh, I guess the most expensive things probably. Uh, I'm not. Even, I'm not even sure. Maybe a maybe a tarp. <laughs> maybe a hammock. Oh yeah, my hammock. That's for sure. Yeah, that's right. Wait, it, is that in case the power goes out and you lose your your the magic fingers on your bed? <laughs> he bought the, he bought this hammock that that it, it's like a tent hammock that you you string it in between two trees. And so your tent is essentially this, like, little cocoon that you sleep in, which doesn't sound very exciting to me. It sounds rather claustrophobic, but he's excited about it. So, you know, that was his birthday present to himself. Allison, how are you feeling about your chances? I, I felt much better going into this than I do at the moment, unfortunately. I think uh, um, he's probably the judge is going to rule in Anthony's favor, sadly. Allison, if this whole case is a matter of semiotics, do you think it's possible that your intent here is not the sole indicator of the meaning of the form of your interaction? Do you think that it's possible that if you're being nice in your head, it might mean something else to the other person and you might consider that? Maybe so. Maybe so. We'll see what Judge John Hodgman has to say when we come back in just a minute. Hello, I'm your Judge John Hodgman. The Judge John Hodgman podcast is brought to you every week by you, our members, of course. Thank you so much for your support of this podcast and all of your favorite podcasts at MaximumFun.org. And they are all your favorites. If you want to join the many member supporters of this podcast and this network, boy, oh boy, that would be fantastic. Just go to MaximumFun.org slash join. The Judge John Hodgman podcast is also brought to you this week by Aura. A-U-R-A. It's a simple but meaningful gift that you can give your mom or your dad or your step-grandparent or your uncle or your friend or anyone that you want to keep connected in your life who might not live near you. It's a digital picture frame from Aura. It's perfect for sharing pics of all the things that those friends can't be there for, from family vacations to grandkids' graduation to whatever. I have one of these, and I got one for my dad, and I got one for my mother-in-law, and it's amazing. We look at the photos all day long, and we're able to easily update their Aura frames so they see all the latest pictures 
from our lives as well. It comes with unlimited storage, simple controls on the frame. You can upload as many photos as you want and your mom or your dad or your stepdad or your stepmom or your friend or whatever can pick the perfect one. And it takes only about two minutes to set up, seriously. See why it was named the number one digital frame by Wirecutter, uh, The Strategist, and Wired Magazine. Right now, you can save on the perfect gift that keeps on giving by visiting AuraFrames.com. For a limited time, listeners can get $20 off their best-selling frame with code Hodgman. That's A-U-R-A frames.com, promo code Hodgman. Terms and conditions apply. The Judge John Hodgman podcast is also brought to you this week by Babbel. Okay, it's 2024, 2024. Oh, if hindsight were 2020, I, I don't know what I would have done differently. All I know is that I'm taking every day in this year and trying to get better a little bit every day. That's what you do. That's the way progress is made, step by step, day by day, bird by bird. And that's the way it is when you're learning anything, especially a new language with Babbel. And if Babbel can help you start speaking language in just three weeks, imagine what you could do in the rest of this whole year. Don't pay hundreds of dollars to private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts, real human beings to help you start speaking a new language in as little as one, two, three weeks. Studies from Michigan State University, Yale University, and others continue to prove that Babbel is better. And that's not just the Yale football team putting their thumb on the scale because they love learning Indonesian from Babbel. One study found that using Babbel for 15 hours is equivalent to a full semester at college. Take that, Yale, I guess. Here's a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now, get 55% off your Babbel subscription, but this is only for our listeners at babbel.com slash Hodgman. Please rise as Judge John Hodgman re-enters the courtroom. Hello, I have returned. Uh, first of all, I really look forward to seeing the terrifying home invasion horror movie that will be based on your life outside of Montreal <laughs> when you about about an anglophonic survivalist couple that moved to rural Quebec and uh, and uh, and the uh, exacerbate uh, cultural tensions the exacerbated cultural tensions raised to a point where not even uh, you cannot even fight off the monstrous neighbors with your cutting tools <laughs> and your cockatiels is going to be a lot of fun because there is, I mean, you know, here is the thing, as I mentioned before, and I, and I kind of clued into survivalism because I realized I was trying to remember when it was that I was in Montreal and it wasn't in 2002. It was in fact, 2001. It was the first, the first time I flew after nine 11. So it was late 2001. I went to go do a magazine story uh, about eating in Montreal and I, and I, I love Montreal. I haven't been back since, and it, I'm embarrassed and, and sad for myself um, because it was such an amazing city. Once I got over the terror of of realizing I had made a horrible mistake by imagining that I could navigate it purely uh, in English and that I would have to retrieve um, the French that I had uh, studied for many years in, in high school. I had six years of, I dare say, advanced placement French 
uh, starting in seventh grade and going on through high school. But I lost it all when I went to college because I decided I wanted to 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 read uh, Latin American literature in Spanish. So I learned Spanish. And then it was very easy to learn Spanish because they are effectively the same languages until my brain just combined them both. And now uh, uh, I, je, je, ne, je ne pense pas en français sin pensamiento en castellano aquí, uh, también. And just it all runs. That's my that's my talk. That's my parlay now. It's a this this weird creole of french and spanish and not knowing how to talk right uh and bizarro superman language that is the only way i can express myself in any of the latin languages and i brought that with me to montreal and i was encountered with a tremendous amount of confusion and contempt um be, doubly so because not only was i anglophonic but i was also clearly from um the the, the south of the border uh, and um, and I realized in a, in a in an immediate way that this was a this was a a, a French speaking city, uh, despite its long long and and I think you guys spoke of fourteen generations and was it in your family Anthony of people speaking of of Eng, uh, English speakers in 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 Montreal is that on right my, on my father's side never was there a francophone that got married into the family. Right. So, you know, it's a it's a it's a, a well-established and uh, community of of Anglophonic uh, citizens that have that have been there um, since the since the beginning of the city. I mean, well, you know, almost as far as the city goes back. Is that not correct? Exactly. And yet and yet it is culturally as well as linguistically very French indeed. And I realized that. I was just going to have to jump in and use the worst possible French I could because that would be um, more appropriate than um, falling back on 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 English. It would it, to me. It seemed like I have to engage with the culture that I am in if I have any fluency whatsoever. I ought to. Now, and, and you know what I I did, and I I I can't say that it went very well. Um, but I felt better about myself than going in and going. Yes, where is the hamburger? Um, in English, uh, hamburger is what? How do you say hamburger in French, Jonathan Goldstein? Um, you would say hamburger, though I've seen yeah. it uh, written as hambourgeois. Hambourgeois, <laughs> hamburger. As I remember from French, one of the things I do retain in French is is the the, the vast number of hilarious words that are simply taken from English. My favorite being fair du camping. If you go out to go camping, you fare do camping. Apparently, you also fare do jogging when you go jogging. And then I love every time I go into a hotel, um, picking up that that travel size bottle of shampoo they give you in hotels and seeing that it is also called shampooing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, but I am I am less in love with the bottle of, of 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 body wash that they give you, which is called gel douche. I feel like that's somehow an insult to me. I love I I love the fact that that Canada and Quebec and other parts of Canada retain a true bilingual nature. It is it is seems archaic, weirdly archaic, in, in a in a world that is increasingly um, uh, less that is increasingly um, uh, uh, just defaulting to English. 
uh, as the itself uh, 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 disappearing language of power and commerce in the world. In particular, English, you know, is is spoken by so many people around the world in order to um, be a part of what has been traditionally the largest economy in the world. But of course, that's transitioning. And now in the Upper West Side of Manhattan, the children are learning um, Chinese and uh, and the Chinese speakers who speak English, I think, speak it probably knowing that they won't have to for much longer. Uh, and that and 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 I appreciate the 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 beauty of a culture that retains uh, a, a language, even when it seems as silly as um, putting a, a bilingual menu that has hamburger and hamburger on it. You know what I mean? Um, so, but then again, that's my point of view. Uh, I uh, I don't I don't know how I feel about this concept that uh, a husband might compel his wife to speak French more often. Um, and I appreciate, sir, that you go into uh, a rage <laughs> when your wife embarrasses herself and you by not buying her shampooing en français at the, mar- at the marché or what have you. But it is a matter, I think, of personal choice. The issue, and particularly in Montreal, where I... I there is a long-standing community of anglophonic speakers, and people like Jonathan Goldstein can ha- happily uh, uh, exist and thrive in that second dimension uh, of of anglophones that 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 inhabit the city uh, like weird uh, weird shimmery ghosts that have it, <laughs> inhabit the parallel city of Montreal. You know, I do think the culture shock that I felt, however when I first came to Montreal and realized, oh, no, they weren't joking, they really do speak French here, is going to be even more severe when you spend, when you are now living in a community that is primarily and almost perhaps exclusively Francophonic, Alice. And I don't, I don't know how, I, I don't know what your experience is going to be like up there when someone says bonjour to them and you smile broadly and say, hello, I refuse to speak your language, but I'm friendly. <laughs> you bet I'm friendly. If, it may be. It may be. Uh, it may be that um, it goes more easily because there is perhaps less day-to-day friction between the two sides of the city that are constantly banging up against each other uh, in in Montreal. It may be that people are more accepting that you just don't speak English, or it may be that they are less accepting. And I guess you won't really know until you're there. Uh, I encourage you quite honestly, to um, take advantage of the, uh, the city that you live in, uh, the city that has a massive population and culture that is speaking uh, n- not merely a different uh, language, but a different way of life, uh, and, and enjoy and engage with that, that double uh, life that everyone in Montreal has access to, only because it, I think it would make your life more interesting and I also think that it would become very useful to you to be a little bit more fluent in French uh, once you're outside of the city than not. But that said, I can't compel you uh, to do anything. The French uh, fought for uh, for their freedom as we uh, in the United States fought for ours. Uh, it is not uh, uh, compulsion. Uh, what is it? Liberté? Fraternité? What's the last part, Jonathan Goldstein? Uh, in the French we- Revolution? Wessonalité. 
I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm not sure. Oh, Wesenality. <laughs> what is it, though? I really need to know. I feel dumb that I don't know it. I apologize. Fraternite. Be- the third thing to come up on Google is Liberté Fraternité Beyoncé. Egalité. 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 <laughs> have you known that this entire time, Monsieur Bailiff? And you have No, just- Julia, ju- Julia just said it to me over the talkback. I was trying to think of what it was, too. I remember <laughs> Sans Culottes. <laughs> I remember that was a key thing. The, the term from the French Revolution is not Fraternité Egalité compelling your wife to parlay. It is Liberté Fraternité it is liberté, fraternité, égalité. And therefore, uh, I have to find in favor of the plaintiff, Allison. You can talk whatever you want, but you will suffer the consequences. Uh, and, uh, I, uh, and I would say to uh, Anthony uh, that you should not go shopping with your wife <laughs> until she does a, does a better job so that she doesn't embarrass you. And particularly when you're out in the country and you're going to country country stores or, or or you're buying furniture and your and your wife refuses to speak English, so that the 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 francophones out in rural Quebec don't connect you with her, and therefore are less likely to follow you home and murder you both. This is the sound of a gavel. Judge John Hodgman rules that is all. Please rise as Judge Sean Hodgman exits the courtroom. Allison, you've won your freedom, but with some caveats, how are you feeling? Feeling pretty good about it. I, I, was, I, I wasn't cer- certain that it was going to go this way, so I'm glad that uh, the judge was able to see that, you know, freedom of choice is an important thing in life. Are you looking forward to your active integration into the francophonic community of uh, the woods outside Montreal? I actually am. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. What's going to be the first thing you do? Like, uh, read that book about how um, Celine Dion and taste are uh, much more complicated than you had thought they were? It might just be. It's a good suggestion. Thank you. I've been reading it. It's called Let's Talk About Love. It's by Carl Wilson. It's exceptionally good. Um, Anthony, you've been rebuked for trying to, uh, for trying to uh, build walls around your wife's language use how are you feeling i'm uh i guess i'm looking forward to a lifetime of passive aggressive service <laughs> to, to be honest that's probably what you were going to get anyway <laughs> <laughs> what's a francophonic activity that you're looking forward to oh, are there francophonic activities other than playing hockey i'm not sure mm. there are there are things that french-speaking people do <laughs> There have to be. It's an entire well, enormous province of a significant country. I drink a lot of wine. I can look forward to that. That's true. That's true. You have a bad attitude, Anthony. I'm not sure I like you. Yeah, it sounds like Anthony could probably use some reimmersion himself. Maybe you guys both. Maybe you guys both ought to have one night a week where you go out and just French only, and you converse with each other in French. In a, in a French part of town, in a French restaurant, and you f- figure out that you live in a French-speaking city, you dummies, come on. Uh, come on, worse, how about this? Worst case scenario, you stay home, you have to watch either French television or a French movie. The good news is, it's not like there's, there's only terrible French movies. There's Gerard Depardieu, for example. 
That's actually a really good idea. I, I think I'd actually enjoy that. That was two ideas. Which is the better idea? The movie. No, you're wrong. I was going to say the movie. That was the better idea. Yeah, well, now you have to do both. (laughs) I've I've rearranged my order. You have to watch a French movie every week, and one day a week, and then you have to have a French dinner uh, every night until you move. When do you move? Well, it's up in the air. Uh, I'm pregnant now, so we're waiting to see how things go with the newborn. Congratulations. Thank yeah, you. I would definitely I would definitely have your your baby in a in a major city in a major hospital. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> I think so. So you you now is the time for you to be eating as much French food as possible. Go out every <laughs> once a week and speak only in French and order only in French and and then you can do whatever you want. I also order you to listen to me singing La Vie en Rose. Quand quand elle me Elle me parle tout bas Je vois la vie en rose Elle me dit des mots d'amour Des mots de tous les jours Et ça me fait quelque chose Elle est entrée dans mon cœur Une part de bonheur Dont je connais la cause C'est elle pour moi, moi pour elle Dans la vie, elle me l'a dit, la journée pour la vie. Jure means oath, that's where we get the word jury, you guys. Et dès que je l'aperçois, alors je sens en moi mon cœur qui bat. I don't know what any of those words mean. Now get out of here. Our thanks to Jonathan Goldstein, the host of the CBC's Wiretap, which you can get on podcast across this great nation. And you should get on podcast across this great nation because it's such a great show. It's fantastic. Fantastique, Jonathan. Merci beaucoup. We'll return in just a moment with the docket. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. Oh, wee, 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 Judge Hodgman. Je fais du shampooing, je use le gel douche. 
I don't remember how my shower something, song goes. Something, something, Jacusto. <laughs> oh. I took no years of AP French. That's my experience what, with French. What, sans culotte, though, I like that very much. I did remember sans culotte from, uh, I had this great, I had this great professor in college who taught European history. I, I can't think of what his name was, but he, the best part about him was he would tell funny stories about his cat in class. <laughs> I, I think what I was trying to express... Can you tell that I didn't like school very much? <laughs> I think what I was trying to express in my, in my verdict, and, and maybe didn't come off as clear, is that they should enjoy speaking French because it's a vanishing novelty language, just like English. <laughs> I think, look, I... I they're going to be fine. Just get out there. I don't think they're going to be murdered by, by rural Quebecois. I don't think some Quebecois looking at them askance is, should ruin their fun. I don't think they should let that cramp their lifestyle. I think they should get out there and talk some French. That's what I think. Yeah. Parlay, you guys. Yeah. Come on. Have a nice soft cheese. Let's do this. Oh, man. I want to go to Montreal. I can't believe it's been what, 14, uh, no, 13 years since I was there. Has it changed much? Who knows? Are the bagels still slightly sweeter than American bagels? I know. I have a lot of nerve talking about talking smack about the Montreal bagel when I haven't even eaten one in, in a dozen years. And a baker's dozen. All right, let's clear the docket. Okay, we got a lot of stuff on the docket this week. First of all... First of all, we all have to read Rolling Stone's list of top 20 best comedy podcasts right now, which include Judge John Hodgman and other... Maximum Fun podcast like Throwing Shade. And Risk. Indeed. Yeah, it was a really great triumph for Maximum Fun to have three shows in Rolling Stone's list of the top 20 comedy podcasts. And, um, you know, if you take out the f few slots that they gave out to podcasts that are not comedy podcasts, it might have been even more. Star Talk. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which is, I, we have no problem with uh, Star Talk. Uh, which, you know, often is co-hosted by our friend Eugene Merman. Sure, and, very uh, funny man. Neil deGrasse Tyson is the host of that show. Right. It's a fascinating discussion of uh, science and the universe. Um, Let's just take out Star Talk and put in Jordan Jesse Go. Sounds good. Sounds like a deal, Judge Hodgman. Yeah. Okay, so that's order of business number one. Order of business number two is this letter from Jennifer. I have a dispute with my boyfriend, Alex. When traveling by car, should a map application on a smartphone be used as a map? or as an app. We use my smartphone as a tool to help us on car trips. I think we should follow the routes given to us by the application. I believe the app knows way more about past routes, one-way streets, and traffic patterns than Alex or I do. Relying on the route given to us by the app is the most reliable and efficient choice. Alex thinks we should use the GPS function to view our location and make decisions based on the map. He believes he can and does create superior routes with his own mind. That is an interesting sentence. I really like that sentence <laughs> <laughs> because it suggests to me a scene from an X-Men movie. Yeah, he's a mutant. <laughs> I just picture I just picture them in like uh, down in like in the heart of Manhattan right. and just a route like buildings are collapsing before them. You know how you know you guys know the risk of buzz marketing. You guys know how that's how Waze works, right? That app Waze. <laughs> they're not you, yeah. they're not they're not using uh, reported uh, traffic jams uh, to 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 map alternate routes for people uh, as they use it. They actually have they've they've actually kidnapped a mutant. <laughs> 
Yeah, and it's Israeli defense technology in action. They've kidnapped a mutant who is able to plan routes with his mind, and they have him in the bottom of a bunker somewhere in Nebraska, and they have him hooked up to a machine. So every time you use Waze, you're slowly killing a mutant. I guess we have ruled them out as a sponsor. She says that he also distrusts the application's ability to create superior routes since it will sometimes change routes midway when, as far as he can tell, nothing has changed. Yeah, that's because it's a computer. Ugh, go on. Yeah. It knows about things that you can't see. Yeah, it's getting... I'm requesting it. Yeah. I'm, I'm requesting an injunction from Judge Hodgman that we do not try to outsmart the smartphone, but instead default to following the GPS's suggested directions. I would say that what's happening here is completely understandable in, in that uh, Alex, the boyfriend who believes he can plot uh, plot courses with his brain, uh, simply needs a wetware upgrade. His brain is operating as though it were as little as, I would say, four years ago when GPS was truly not reliable in terms of choosing a, a way to go. Uh, it, it was it was not trustworthy and and, and openly um, deserving of suspicion and contempt. And obviously, uh, I am not suggesting that we give all of our lives over to computers. I don't want a crazy dystopia. Uh, but I will say that as someone who has been traveling quite a bit uh, over the past six months in many different cities, and, and using not merely uh, uh, computer maps, but also uh, guided direction applications on board a commercially available smartphone, I've been astonished um, uh, by the quantum leap in quality of directions that I've been receiving, including the very thing that Alex is complaining about with regard to the computers making decisions for things I can't see, because it's getting data from many, many, many more sources uh, it, it, with regard to traffic patterns and traffic jams that are allowing you to bypass things. And there was not one time when I was using a uh, 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 a GPS turn-by-turn uh, -turn navigation application that I shall not name because I, I honestly think that they're doing pretty well. Let me just put it this way. I'm using the one that everyone, that it is common wisdom that everyone says is garbage. And in fact, it was incredibly reliable for me and got me to my destination within 30 seconds of its uh, projected time every time, no matter what time of day it was. Uh, I thought it was, an, I thought it was amazing. So Alex, uh, I appreciate your suspicion of GPSs uh, and turn-by-turn -turn directions on board smartphones, but I think that you are behind the times um, when it comes to, uh, to using them. Uh, obviously, one never wants to give up your human faculties. And uh, at the end of the day, until um, Google makes us all uh, uh, sit in the backseat of cars that are driven by robots, uh, you are in control of the driving, uh, and so you can make course corrections based on your mental powers, uh, but I would say you should go ahead and use uh, the, the directions on the GPS, particularly in cities where you have zero familiarity because you're not actually psychic. You're just a dude. What's amazing to me is that it sounds like Alex is holding on to, just clinging to for dear life, this husband-wife conflict that sounds like it could be in a Lockhorns cartoon. I was just going to say... I, I know that like in my in my own personal case, I've I've been married for a number of years and with my wife for a number of years before that. And the two of us almost never fight. I, and um, 
She is a, a very she has a very she has an excellent sense of direction. I don't. I'm very forgetful, so I tend to lose track of where I'm going. And uh, I am very good at reading maps. And she couldn't read uh, she couldn't read a, a map if she had um, you know uh, if she a had master's gone to, degree in map reading. Yeah, exactly. She'd gone to navigation school, is what I was going to say. Um, I, I have and a so, doctorate in cartography. The first, the first like seven years of our relationship were me in the driver's seat and her in the passenger seat. And if she didn't intuitively know where we were going, her looking at a map, being perplexed by it, and me getting really freaked out and yelling at her in a really inappropriate way. It was like a huge source of friction in our relationship for no reason. Mm-hmm. Although it was, there was, it was hard to fix. And then... I got a GPS for our car, um, which at the time was a significant investment for us, cost a few hundred dollars, but it was literally the best thing I've ever done for my relationship hmm. because I my anxiety was completely salved. I knew that this robot knew where we were going, <laughs> and so I didn't have to worry, and my wife didn't have to worry about me yelling at her in an inappropriate way or freaking out for a stupid reason, like uh, that she was taking an extra second to tell us whether to turn right or left. Um, it was like the greatest thing that ever happened to us. It was so wonderful, and I still, every time I get in my car, I look at that navigation unit that's on my dashboard, and I just think about... What a wonderful thing that is for just completely taking this huge source of anxiety and conflict out of my life inside myself and with my wife. And that he, that his machismo over wanting to read maps, this classic male skill, trumps the, this constant conflict that it's causing with his wife. Come on, guy, let it go. Just you can read maps at home for fun. I feel very strongly that uh, 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 the gentleman should enjoy uh, knowing better than the GPS in the city either in which he lives or cities or places where he has intimate familiarity that he is that he has driven the roads and gained experience of and knows better than any computer. I absolutely have no question. But if you're in a if you're in a place where you don't know the place, you gotta sometimes acknowledge that uh, that. Uh, data knows more than you do. Judge Hodgman, I want to get your opinion about something before we go. I will give it to you. It's a little something called the Atlantic Ocean Comedy and Music Festival. Opinion equals yes. You traveled on this boat last year, right? I really did. What was it like? For people out there, you have no interest in this endeavor. Let's make this clear. I get. But- I, I gain no compensation one way or the other. But what was your experience uh, at BoatParty.biz, as it is commonly known? There are two things that I'd like to speak of in terms of the incredible positivity of the experience that was BoatParty.biz. One, I will speak of, well, three things. One, I will speak of the entertainment, simply some of the most interesting, fun, and exciting comedians and musical performers I'd ever encountered, some of whom I knew about, most of whom I didn't. And thanks to an incredibly uh, 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 great curative, not curative as in to cure, but to curate. Curatorative? Thanks to, Cur- thanks to an incredibly, thanks to the amazing curator who is Jesse Thorne and, uh, and his colleagues at Maximum Fun, 
uh, I was introduced to music and comedy that remain my favorites today. Uh, second, the people who attended uh, the the cruise were often as interesting and entertaining to me as the people who were nominally on stage. And I made great friends uh, that I stay in touch with uh, all year round. And my understanding is from the people who went on the last cruise that the feeling is the same. And third, uh, cruising is actually fun. A lot of people, I think, turn their nose up at cruises uh, because David Foster Wallace wrote an amazing essay saying that it was a miserable experience. And David Foster Wallace is a wonderful writer, one of the greatest, and it's a great loss that he is no longer with us today writing more. But it doesn't mean that you can't go on a cruise and have fun just because you subscribe to Harper's. You know what I'm saying? Get over yourselves, guys. They got salad bars for days. Uh, and it's it's truly being on a cruise, being on a giant floating hotel that should be impossible. Uh, it was is one of the weirdest and most exciting and overstimulative and and enjoyably absurd things that I've ever done. And it heightens the experience of you know, you and your favorite artists and the new favorite artists that you haven't met yet and the people that you're going to be hanging around with and enjoying are literally all in the same boat. You become the reason that there is that saying. You all uh, enjoy a, a hyper, uh, an exceedingly weird and fun and unique experience together. And uh, Jesse, it, it pains me that I can't join you this year due to another commitment. Yeah, well, it, it will be tons of fun. We have lots of amazing people there. I mean, John Roderick, regular guest bailiff John Roderick is going to be there. Um, we just announced the music lineup. Antibalas, formerly the Antibalas Afrobeat Orchestra, are going to be there. All 14 members of the band. It's going to be totally, it's going to be a totally bonkers party. Uh, the band Lake. Uh, from Olympia, Washington, who a lot of folks might know because they do some of the music on Adventure Time. Oh, wow. Um, and lots of amazing comedians as well. I mean, uh, W. Kamau Bell from uh, Totally Biased, the great Greg Barrett, one of my favorite comedians ever of all time, absolutely. Uh, Moshe Kasher, Karen Kilgariff, Kyle Kinane. Come on, Kyle Kinane. That guy's the voice of Comedy Central. Did you know Kyle was the voice of Comedy Central? I did he not totally know that. Is. How long has that been going on? This has been going on for like a couple of years. I just what? never noticed. And then I, I was like, oh, wait a minute. I know whose voice that is. <laughs> Kyle Kinane, I met uh, at, a, at a, another event that you curated. And I've seen him perform comedy since. And you've seen him on Conan. You've seen him on all the late night talk shows. Truly one of the most one, wonderful, in, intensely talented comedians that I've been around. I just love him. And I never would have known of him if I had not been on the boat or been in an event such as this that you had I mean, curated. Like, I'll give you an example. One person who's on the cruise that whose name might not be familiar to you is Carol Kolb. She's going to be teaching a class. But this is Carol's qualifications. And I think they speak to the quality of her abilities. A, she's a writer on community. B, she was a writer on uh, Review, Andy Daly's brilliant and amazing television program that just concluded uh, its first season on Comedy Central. C, she was the head writer and showrunner of the Onion News Network, the brilliant Onion television program. D, she was the editor-in-chief of The Onion for quite a number of years. She is as good as it gets, and she could literally teach you how to write comedy on this cruise. Anyway... 
All of this information is online at boatparty.biz. And if that weren't enough, you get 50 bucks off if you type in the promo code JUDGE. Type in the promo code JUDGE. You get 50 bucks off. That's courtesy of me and Judge John Hodgman. And, you know, if there's anything else we can do to make it happen for you, you know, just drop us a line. Look, my email address is jesse at maximumfun.org. I want to make this I want to make this a go for you. Mine is Hodgman at maximumfun.org if you have questions about um uh, uh, seasickness. Uh, what the best things to get at the uh, at the um, uh, 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 salad bar are, uh, which is the <laughs> ice cream is the answer, by the way. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Uh, what what kinds of sunscreen to wear? I would also be happy uh, to uh, advise you. And if you have uh, disputes for Judge John Hodgman, that's a place to uh, let me know. Uh, whom you're fighting with, and I'll I'll review every one of your emails. Or you can go to maximumfund.org/jjho and fill out a simple form. Uh, and that's uh, and that's how we keep this show going. Yeah. So maximumfund.org/jjho. Our thanks to our producer Julia Smith. Our editor is Mark McConville. You can find out more information about the cruise at boatparty.biz. P.S. Families welcome. We have some really cool family stuff for you. It is a really um, it's a tr- uh, having gone. With children on cruises, it's actually a lot of fun. It's perfect in many ways. Yeah, it's a, it's a blast. Um, and uh, please submit your cases. No matter how big or small, we at least peruse them all. Uh, MaximumFun.org slash JJ Ho. Our thanks to Thomas McCambly for naming this week's program. If you want to get in on that action, like Judge John Hodgman on Facebook, um, or follow me and Judge Hodgman on Twitter. I'm at Jesse Thorne. Hodgman is at Hodgman. That's all our time for this week's show. We'll talk to you next time on the Judge John Hodgman podcast. Au revoir. Maximumfun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.